This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharudin and this is GG Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. Quentin Stespoli, Managing Director for Unreal in ASEAN, India and EMEA will be joining us to talk about Unreal Engine 5 and the impact it will have to the industry. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ofnil Ting and Dashan Yohan. Thank you, Hanif. Here are some headlines from the week in the world of gaming. We're going to start things off with an interesting story about modders. There's this group called Fallout London Mod that has been making a very epic mod of London within the Fallout 4 universe. It's an ambitious project that's going to be released in 2023. But in the meantime, the team has also announced that two of their teammates, lead technical advisor Ryan Johnson and project lead Dean Carter, have been offered jobs at Bethesda. That's right. Um, now, Bethesda is the developer of Fallout games and I guess they are impressed enough with the work by the team that they have decided to hire them for the company. Ryan Johnson decided to take take up the job offer and he will now be an associate level designer with the company and also Dean Carter meanwhile decided to turn down the job offer as he would like to finish working on Fallout London. Yeah, it's always good to see uh, developers acknowledging the work done by modders and the skills that they have. They're definitely an interesting community and a very passionate and dedicated bunch so it's good to see a complimentary acknowledgement in this form by these developers. But moving on, Sucker Punch Productions, the developers behind the well-celebrated Ghost of Tsushima has revealed that they are not doing anything related to their previous well-loved IPs, Infamous and Sly Cooper franchises. And for those of you who are hoping whether there are others that are at least working on these franchises too, we are sad to announce that Sucker Punch has also said that there are no other developers that are currently working on any projects related to these two franchises. Um, And this comes from a blog post from Sucker Punch highlighting their 25th anniversary. Apart from delivering this news, they also said that they will soon work on maintenance of their infamous UGC servers by moving it to a new home. This is done to keep the servers up for as long as possible. Hmm. They did not explicitly mention what projects they're currently working on at the moment, but it will not be that big of a surprise if it's revealed to be Ghost of Tsushima 2. We'll wait and see for that. But in the meantime, Sea of Stars, a retro RPG that's giving a bit of hype from the makers of The Messenger will now be delayed to 2023. This comes after its developer Sabotage posted a message on Twitter saying that they are looking to polish up the game a lot more without putting their stuff through the dreaded crunch. That's right. And it's good to hear developers looking to take care of their employees' uh, welfare and not putting them through ridiculous deadlines and unnecessary pressure. Sea of Stars was first announced in 2020 via a Kickstarter campaign and the style of the game is reminiscent of old school JRPGs like Chrono Trigger and Breath of Fire. Despite being an RPG, the game is meant to be a prequel to Sabotage's um, previous game that's more of an action-adventure called The Messenger. Let's give them some time to work on the game. Better to delay something than to rush an unfinished game, right? Mm -hmm. Last but not least, a bit of a sad news. Minecraft YouTuber Technoblade, who has more than 10.8 million followers, has sadly passed away following a battle with stage 4 cancer. That's right. His dad posted a touching farewell video thanking the fans for their continued support throughout the years. Um, He's pretty well known for his Minecraft stream on YouTube and being an all-round nice guy. So RIP Technoblade. That's all the news we have for this week. Back to you, Hanif.
Thank you very much, Ofnil and Deshran. We're going to broadcast the second half of our conversation with Quentin Stace-Pole, Managing Director for Unreal in ASEAN, India and EMEA that we had last April during the official launch of Unreal Engine 5. This latest iteration of the engine is well received so far and so I asked Quentin whether this version will be the best yet compared to previous iterations. Oh, we think so. I mean, you know, but we say that at each, each version is more exciting. But this one is very exciting, I think, because it brings so many technology and it brings it you know there's a few a few points first it it is the closest we've ever been from photorealism right so from enabling experiences that are as close as we've been, ever been from to reality or to a simulated reality second i think a lot of the tools in there are easier or faster to use than before and that's not only the tool you know, and we've launched a new, uh, you know, we can talk about this more in detail, Nanite and Lumen that deal with, you know, polygon and details and and, and lighting, which are two big issues when you do uh, 3D real-time rendering. Um, but also the fact that we've started to build the entire ecosystem of uh, tools for creators. I'm thinking of libraries like uh, Quixel Megascan and Sketchfab. And I'm thinking about AI and Enhanced creative tools like MetaHumans that allow people to create simulated virtual human, yeah, photorealistic created human in, in a space of hours when it would take entire teams for literally months until three, four years ago, right? So it's a whole bunch of tools that allow better creation and that reduce the bar to entry and reduce the actual cost, the overhead to create very large um, you know, rich interactive 3D environment. So yeah, it is a very exciting moment. You know, as a company, we've been working for the last three, four years to bring this together. We have an amazing engineering team that that's that's just put out an absolutely incredible product. Um, but but it's again all the entire environment and how uh, it tackles photorealism and reduce the burden of creation. That's really what we are we are super excited about. Mm. Um, Crystal Dynamics and CD Project Red, two big developers in the industry, were also present during the keynote, um, announcing mm-hmm. that they will be using uh, Unreal Engine Five in the upcoming IPs. Um, how big of an endorsement is it to get uh, big developers like them uh, to be on board uh, the Unreal Engine Five train? Especially considering that um, I think these developers spent millions developing uh, and using their own engines previously. Well, I mean, that, you know, for us, it's a very proud moment. I think, you know, having the buy-in from those amazing companies with their amazing content and their, you know, like you, like you pointed out, their astounding engineering capabilities is is very, uh, very rewarding. And in the case of Project Red, you know, obviously those guys have done absolutely amazing things uh, in the tech space, especially in the open world type of thing, which we think a lot of the, the you know the metaverse is going to be depend on and you know we we try to dramatically improve the tool set uh, in you in UE5 that uh, that allows the creation of those open world whether it's procedural uh, you know creation of environments whether it's you know uh, scale and sizing and optimizing you know optimizing uh, the content uh, for very large environment uh, the content size and package. We've done a lot of effort there, but you know, 
we always look up to those guys. They've done absolutely amazing work historically. And so for us to have them to adopt it, and because we are open source, right? Uh, Unreal Engine is on GitHub, etc. For us to be able to, you know, cooperate, even if it's not like they get anything before anybody else, or it's it, but just learning from them and incorporate some of their, um, you know, of some of the the things they might build on top of Unreal Engine um, back in and and learn from their amazing skill. This this is amazing. This is a, a great partnership, and we hope to partner with more people who have those kind of very specific expertise and you know um, and can contribute to the overall the overall chunk of the main Unreal Engine uh, business. So, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously uh, stunning, uh, you know, stunning announcement. We're very happy. But, you know, we've we've always been working very closely with large PC and console game. You know that uh, when they launched PS5 uh, last year um, or a little bit earlier, the year before, um, 48% of the games uh, on, on launch day were built on Unreal. So, We've, we've historically been very, very strong on those big console and PC games. Mm. Um, do you foresee a lot more AAA uh, developers making the switch to Unreal Engine 5? Considering that I think a lot of AAA developers, at least in the previous generation, um, they develop right. their own engines, right? So so do you foresee them a lot more, I guess, of, of these AAA developers joining the... Well, I... I for sure hope so, as, as it's my job to, <laughs> to ensure that that happens. <laughs> so I truly hope so. But but yes, I mean, I think, you know, uh, the, the main driver to that is uh, sometimes it's a very heavy lift to develop game engine technology. And as um, you open to more platform and as you try to achieve more sophisticated things, it's very hard to keep up with uh, innovation in the sector. Um, and it's not necessarily, you know, it's probably, it, you know, historically people were doing this on tech because it would provide them uh, tools that would help them create experiences that the competition couldn't do, right? And the reality is that with how many people are using now Unreal Engine and how much we are investing in the technology there, it's very hard for companies to uh, continue to develop their own engine technology when they have one or two or three games on it, right? We are talking about hundreds of games on Unreal and all of those people are challenging us and 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 contributing to the technology in their own ways, right? And so it's hard to beat a, a, an ecosystem of development like that as a single company. So I, again, it might be wishful thinking because it's my job, <laughs> but I think, yes, we'll continue to see more uh, or more tech, more companies uh, moving towards that. Uh, some company might decide that they also want to, um, you know, double down on that. I, I I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see how it all it all moves. But that's also why we're trying to keep it open source. Um, at least you know, publish the code and do all those things. We want to be as transparent, and we want to feel. Uh, we want people to feel that they've got control, even though they are licensing this from us. They've got some level of control, and and uh, they don't. They are not overexposed risk-wise with us, right? So. Mm. Um, what about the usage of the engine beyond the gaming realm? Uh, we've seen some examples of of how Unreal Engine has been used in, I guess, um, entertainment industry. Uh, but do you foresee it being used a lot more um, outside the gaming realm uh, this time around? Oh yeah, and I think it's it started like four or five years ago. Initially, it was you know when people were starting to develop VR application, and then they realized the best tool to produce those VR uh, things was game engine technology. 
Um, but then the usage have started to, you know, spread all over. And I think um, with 4.26, 4.27, the previous version of the engine last year and the year before, where we were almost reaching uh, photorealism and uh, we had a lot of integration tools with traditional media and entertainment uh, tool sets, um, whether it's in animation or in, you know, in special effects or in events, uh, all of those places, we, we started providing easy tools to integrate with their usual production pipeline and, and tool sets. And that means a lot of people, um, you know, turn to the technology at the creative stage because um, as we, as you know, traditionally for online game, we've been um, we've been creating in cooperative environment where everybody can see and contribute to the the actual game and see as we evolve thanks to real time uh, rendering technology how the, the the actual product or experience is evolving. Now, in traditional um, media creation, the process, uh, at least traditional. In digital, right? Because that's only since uh, the late 90s and early 2000s that everything moved into digital. But traditionally, the digital environment has been very linear and siloed, meaning, you know, hey, your animator will create, your character artist will create, your lighting artist, your sound artist, and they will all contribute. And then you send everything to a farm of computer and they render the final product or image or really any piece of content, animation or broadcast or whatever, and then they shoot it back. And then we look at the result and say, is it what we wanted? If it's not what we wanted, oh, we restart, everybody contribute their own piece and then we reset. So it's a very siloed production process. Um, and what, what we've seen is people adopting this because suddenly they can create differently. They can create together. Um, you know, every everything that one person does is visible to everybody at the same time. And so that means that reduce the number of errors that creates a, a collaborative working environment that didn't exist before. Um, and that reduce the number of back and forth you need to do. So that means less time, faster iteration, and, you know, the creation of serendipity moment where everybody is creating together and, and you know, bringing something new together. And so I think, yes, we've seen dramatic adoption, um, you know, uh, in the in-camera VFX and VFX, um, you know, a lot of people are also moving away from the traditional movie post-production heavy uh, workflow and thinking a lot more and creating their shots, what we call pre-visualization and tech visualization before they actually shoot the movie and get the actors, etc. They create the movie in 3D. And, and so, yeah, we've seen massive disruption of uh, content creation across the board. And then we've, you know, other industries that are, uh, that are use digital content creation, like car design, architecture, are also starting to use those tools and say, oh, wow, now we can, you know, we can share those experiences in a much more realistic manner. We can collaborate. We can share with our customers ahead of time. Uh, let them visualize. It's it's a lot. It creates a lot more uh, appealing environment. And then you know, classic place where what we call we used to call serious gaming and simulation. Obviously, things like uh, combat simulation, uh, you know, surgery training, uh, all of those are dramatically improved by by VR. Uh, and then another space that's very interesting we touch about here is creation of virtual environment for AI training. You know, so when you use AI, let's say for self-driving car, 
or you know any any AI that needs to learn uh, by being exposed to reality. Well, instead of having a car driving around town with lots of cameras and uh, doing tests, you create the town and you create scenarios in a virtual environment, and then you take your AI agent and train it there. So when you release your AI agent in the car on the real road, it's trained with an infinite number of scenarios and it didn't have to disrupt traffic for two years before that. So that's the kind of that's the kind of impact. We really think that this technology has, a, you know, it's going to change the world. It's going to change how we do things. It's enabling things that were not possible before. Um, and it's, it's, you know, creating so many opportunities for innovation that yes, indeed, outside of gaming, it's going to have quite a big impact. That was Quentin Stespole, Managing Director for Unreal Engine and Epic Games for EMEA India and Southeast Asia, sharing his thoughts on the company's latest crown jewel, the Unreal Engine 5. We're going to make way for some messages. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharuddin. My guest this week is Quentin Stespole, Managing Director for Unreal Engine at Epic Games for EMEA India and Southeast Asia. And we've had a chat about Unreal Engine 5, their latest iteration of the engine that's widely used by developers in the industry. Moving on, I also spoke about many other things with Quentin, including Epic Games' decision to purchase audio distribution platform, Bandcamp. Alright, exciting stuff. Um, another interesting move made by Epic Games recently is uh, in the form of the acquisition of Bandcam. Why Bandcam? Mm, well, you know, I, I, I think, number one, the way they treat creators, the way they provide an environment for, you know, musicians to release their content and they charge very little and they, they, they favor the creator and give the back money. It was, was super aligned with our value, set of value as a company. Um, through the last year um, or two years, you know, we've experimented a lot about with music in our games. And we realized that you know, music, but also fashion, also movies, also animation, all of those are massive uh, audience generating you know, uh, application. Right. And so you know, the reality is that the, the metaverse um, race kind of thing is, is all about, you know, creating a lot of content, but also aggregating audience. And so we think that the music piece has an important part to play there. And you'll notice it's not an isolated acquisition. We acquired Harmonix just a little bit uh, uh, before that. Uh, which is the, the company that was doing rock band and, uh, you know, Guitar Hero and all of those things, right? And so all of those games. And so everything gameplay around music um, and community around musicians are very important. And that's why we thought this is a great addition to our ecosystem. You'll, you'll know there are with Sketchfab, we have the same thing, right? With all those massive library of 3D scan. But there's also a, com a community component, right? Where uh, Sketchfab has a community of, uh, I think, over one million or two million creators um, that 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 scan and contribute to that database, right? And before that, if you look at the other acquisition we've done, uh, we've we acquired ArtStation, uh, which is like a little bit the LinkedIn of artists, of visual artists, right? So you can see the pattern there is we are looking at content and library and community and aggregation. We are looking at audiences 
and how to bring large audiences and give them what they want. And we are looking at tool set and community-based organizations, right? That's what we're trying to aggregate. When I was mentioning earlier, you know, the ecosystem around Unreal, that's what and Unreal and, and Fortnite, that's really what it is, right? It's those communities, those content libraries, and, and those tool sets that allow to create experiences um, around theme like music, fashion, movies, animation, and all those things. All right. So will we see any, any I guess, um, products, if that's the right term, uh, materializing anytime soon, or will this be a long-term project? I, I you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not part of the team that really integrates that. I think, I think it's about bringing together people who think of creation, think about creation, think about communities, um, think about, you know, economic ecosystem together. We are not super directive on how this all work. We believe that, you know, when people bring the right set of values and the right set of, of toolings and things together, we'll find a way to work together and to make it bigger than we are not being together, you know, uh, one plus one equal three type of thing. So, so we are, we are really working on, on, on in that spirit more than with predefined this uh, decision on, or oh, this is what we're going to do exactly to do, you know, with those things and how we integrate them. So um, you can be pretty sure you'll see lots of things coming on around Epic Games and, and music and, 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 and artists, uh, music artists, as, as we've demonstrated with, uh, with Fortnite and, you know, Travis Scott and Ariana Grande. You'll see that, I think, more and more for, from us here. All right. Um, let's talk about the Epic Games Store. Uh, you've been around since 2018 with a very interesting uh, business model that essentially challenges the norm of the industry uh, by taking a smaller cut um, of just 12% compared to some of your biggest competitors, right? Uh, but you also spend close to reportedly $1 billion in order to get exclusives to be on your store. Is this model sustainable in your effort to perhaps get a bigger share of um, the pie that's largely been dominated by your biggest competitor, Valve, with their marketplace um, Steam? So, you know, um, uh, Valve was a good example of a quasi-monopoly and, you know, what typically those companies were charging, those store companies were charging was a remnant. You know, I was in the music industry in the 90s and um, and at the time when, when digital music emerged, there was the question of, you know, what's the margins of the platform? And retail margins for music industry were traditionally at around 50%, meaning that if you buy a CD, at the time CDs and vinyls and all this for, for 10 bucks, you know, the music company would get about five and the retail the retailers and distributors would be about 50%. And so when the first, you know, iPod and equivalents to that came out and the first app stores came out, um, you know, the companies went together and decided, okay, well, how much are we going to charge? And the charge was not related to the cost because those people were in investment phase anyway and were investing a lot of money to bring those things together. It was more related, what is the market used to bear? And the market is used to bear 50%, so let's charge 30% will be a better, a better deal, right? But 25 years later, uh, you know, we still stuck with 30% and the competition has not had this effect where the reality is the cost versus the margin that is taken is is unreasonable, right? And so I think what we were trying to do with opening the Epic Games Store is first break a, mon a monopoly, right? If you were a PC game developers, the only place you could go is Steam. And we thought that's not ideal for as an environment. And second thing is to have, by introducing competition, putting some pressure 
on that margin, right? Because if you think um, of um, a 30% margin on a product, it's massive, right? The cost, that, the cost is absolutely massive, right? Uh, you know, that, that represents the entire profit of many game companies is, is less than 30% of, uh, of their revenue. So if you have one player that just based on the fact they own the space and the cost of running that space is not really 30%, um, then there's something unfair in the marketplace and that doesn't, you know, the people are not rewarded justly. And so that's that's why we started, I think, the Epic Game Store. We wanted to provide a store and a place where we would like to publish, right? Because we are a game publisher where we, we would feel it's fair to publish. And that's what we've done. But you don't you don't build uh, a competitor uh, by just uh, opening a store and hoping people will come up, right? Um, and so we had to make those investments to attract an audience, and that's what we've been doing there. We've been trying to attract an audience. But what we've also done recently is make it self-service. So very recently, the store has been open to be made self-service, and self-publishing means a lot of people can now start putting their own content, etc. And we hope that that's going to allow us to scale much much bigger. But we, we think the investment was worth it to introduce competition in the market and put pressure on the on the margins and give more opportunity uh, to to developers to monetize their creation. Mm. And you also managed to get some of your competitors to also change their their I guess their business model as well, right? I think with Microsoft Store being one of them, to they recently also changed their model to to I guess be a bit more developer friendly. Um, do you foresee this to to continue with other other bigger competitors? Like, will they eventually adopt a, a more I guess developer friendly model? We certainly hope so. We certainly hope so. Um, you know, we certainly hope that uh, that the market pressure would mean. That you know, um, players will will get to stores that offer more, and um, and that uh, the red content will go also to the stores uh, that reward them better. And so that's definitely what we are trying to achieve there. I mean, it, I'm sure it makes also a lot of sense, you know, from a revenue perspective. Uh, at the moment, it's we are still in investment phase, but you know, I mean, retail has always been a good business, and you know, we we hope to grow it. All right. Okay. Um, it's been very fun to talk to you. Um, so, what else um, can can we expect from Epic Games this year, twenty twenty two? Well, I think uh, you know, I think we just we <laughs> just in the last two weeks between the Lego announcement and uh, and the UE five announcement, there's been a lot of things coming out. You know, we're gonna have to uh, deal with that uh, with a lot of uh, uh, new opportunities that are coming around those two things. So I think, yeah, I mean, you've seen you've seen in the last uh, in the last two years, we have a very solid base of announcement around innovation, and that will continue. Uh, we want to continue to innovate and continue to invest in the tech. Uh, we want to continue to um, you know bring more creators in the ecosystem. So you know you should watch Fortnite Creative very closely. Uh, we, we try to continue to innovate in that space as well. Um, and um, yeah, I think in terms of experience in, in the engine, we have uh, in, the, in in Fortnite, we have a lot of exciting things coming out, and a lot more you know things coming around around uh, around open world and and other piece of tech as well. So yeah, I think we're not planning to reduce the pace at, at all compared to the next two years. And there'll be a lot of exciting uh, further announcement and and uh, and. and no partnerships that will that will come true over the next uh, in the next 12 months for sure
You're tuned in to GG Well Played and that was Quentin Stace Pole, Managing Director for Arnil Engine at Epic Games for EMEA, India and Southeast Asia, talking about Arnil Engine 5, Epic's vision for it and many more. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and you can also find our podcast on Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.